So he uh, unzips his pants and starts to relieve himself in the bushes. At that time, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigations comes out of every bush and comes around every corner drawing down on him. You are kidding. No, this is, I'm not making up one word. I couldn't make this up. They make him get down on the ground with his junk in his hands. <laughs> Does not let him put it away. Okay, He has to get down on the ground, hands out, and while they're frisking him and everything, because what they saw was a cash deal train ha- change hands on that back deck. And they're still on guard yeah, from what exactly. happened? They didn't know the sheriff's department had raided it a month earlier, so they thought they were onto the deal and just saw the deal. <laughs> Bad they, communication oh issues. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of Corkscrews and Contracts. I'm Wyatt Wallace. And I'm Jennifer Hamrick. And we're just talking about real estate today. And we have someone really amazing to bring you in the property management field. But first, Jennifer, what are we sipping on? We are sipping on a Cabernet Sauvignon out of California. It's called Bacchus. Fantastic. Let's give that a try. Huh. I think it's a strong red. Yeah. I like it. Scott Abernathy began his real estate career by purchasing his first rental property while he was still serving in the United States Air Force in 1989. After his military service, Scott attended Middle Tennessee State University, graduating with a Bachelor of Science degree in aerospace. While in college, Scott got his real estate license and continued to acquire rental properties. Realizing that real estate was his passion, he began selling real estate for Caldwell Banker in 1993. Scott opened his own firm in 2015 and franchised with Property Management Inc., PMI. He now owns two property management firms, PMI Professionals, the Nashville Market, and PMI of Memphis, and continues to add to his personal rental property portfolio. Scott Abernathy, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm thrilled to be here. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. (laughs) Man, so we know you through some networking events here in, in Nashville. And uh, I did not know. Can that. we just say we know him as the guy with the thumbs? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the guy with the thumbs right there. A lot of people tell me where to put my thumbs. But anyway. <laughs> I'm sure that's common in your field. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it's amazing. Every time he it introduces himself to the group, it's, uh, <laughs> you need a property professional, and it's this guy with the thumbs. It's so good. So good. So I didn't know you're actually from Nashville. From actually Murfreesboro, if you know the Nashville area, it's part of Middle Tennessee. Yeah. Of course, when I was growing up, Murfreesboro wasn't really a suburb of Nashville. It was its own city, but it's really become a bedroom community. So I guess, yes, you could say I'm from Nashville. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's really, really growing out there. Big time. Uh, The county itself has 330,000 people in it, and um, it's twice as large as Williamson County and Wilson County. Uh, People don't really realize that. No. Laverne, Smyrna, and Murfreesboro are both becoming really good-sized cities all in, in their own, especially Murfreesboro. Yeah, not too far from, from Nashville. Good driving distance. Unless you're stuck in traffic. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <true. laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> That's anywhere in Nashville. Yes, <laughs> and I had heard that your alma mater, MTSU. Middle Tennessee State University, yes. The, the largest university in the state of Tennessee. Not that hideous orange thing out in East Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did I say that out loud? <laughs> 
favor your college. <laughs> Not at all. Go Big Blue. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So. Uh, professionally, you are not only the guy with the cool thumbs, but you are a property manager. Property manager, that's correct. What is that about? How, how does that work? Sure. Property managers are a little different than your typical realtor, which I'm a realtor as well. If you understand how the real estate industry works, you have licensees, somebody that has a real estate license. Mm -hmm. And if you are a member of the Realtors Association, like Jennifer and I are, then you are a realtor as well. However, I don't really specialize in real estate sales. We do some investor sales and my own properties. I buy and hold and sell properties myself, but that's about all we do is sales. For the most part, what we do is, is property management, which means we handle the day-to-day -day headaches of owning real estate, whatever that real estate may be. We take care of that for the owners. Hmm. Lots of headaches there are. There are. <laughs> I mean, what I found when I was getting into this business and I only owned my own properties and I was only managing my own properties, and I got up to about 30 of them or something like that. Yeah, man, it was, my head was over, I was over my head. I mean, my head was underwater all the time. I couldn't keep up with anything. But I found it's easier to manage, well, we manage 700 between the two offices now, 700 units wow. now. It's easier to manage 700 than it is 20 or 30. It's probably easier to manage 700 than it is two or three. <gasps> it comes with the systems, the economies of scale. That mm. As you grow and get bigger and get more things, you can put more systems in place, more people, more manpower. You know, if I get that call in the middle of the night because the water heater has flooded the, the kitchen, somebody's got to go out there and take care of it right now. It is an absolute over-the-top emergency if you only have one or 20 properties. Uh -huh. But for somebody that has 700, it's a phone call. It gets dropped into the system, comes out fixed. It's, it's just really <laughs> that simple when you have the right systems in place. I'm just curious, how many do you, properties do you own? Currently own 26 properties. Okay. The Great Recession stole some of them from me. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd have a lot more. <laughs> so, which you you were constantly buying or, or selling properties, from what I've understood. From yes, I served some time in the United States Air Force, mm -hmm. and back then I bought my first rental property. Okay. And that would have been in 1989. I was 21 years old, and nobody took me seriously. I got some little <laughs> bank. It still exists. It's First Community Bank down in Bedford County. They were the only people that would talk to me, and that's only because my father-in-law owned some stock in it. <laughs> down in Shelbyville. Okay. And this triplex was in Murfreesboro. I didn't have anything. I had a little small amount of money that I'd saved up, and my girlfriend at the time had a small amount of money she'd saved up. So we pooled our resources together and bought this property in 1989. Wow. I don't recommend buying houses with girlfriends. Oh, Actually, <laughs> well, you know why he's not—he's not, he's not talking about us. Yeah, that's he means that's other completely people. different. <laughs> it actually did work out. We do not own that house still. That's one of the few that we actually sold intentionally. Uh, but we did get married several years later and celebrated our 25th anniversary uh, back in December. So. Hey, it worked hey, out. It worked out. Uh, <laughs> Matter of fact, our realtor married us. Whoa. No way! How many people know that? Our realtor's name was Jim Creech, and he worked for Snow and Wall Realtors, and it was before I uh, was really into the real estate industry, and he was also an ordained minister, Church of Christ minister, so he married us. That is so Whoa. cool. Real estate wedding, baby. <laughs> <laughs> 
what a relationship. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, Just hitched. We'll sell you a house on the back of that oh, car. Oh, it got more. Let, let me tell you, when I got out of the Air Force, because I was still okay. in the Air Force down in San Antonio at the time. Wow. So who had to take care of all the headaches we were oh, talking about? Oh, yes. My girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Donna. That's my wife's name. She had to take care of all this. And when I get off the airplane coming back home for good after my service was up, She's tossing me those keys saying, we're getting out of this. We're done with this. We are not dealing with this anymore. I said, wait, babe, wait, 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 wait. Let me give it a try. And that's when I learned property management was my passion. I learned, hey, look, I can not only do this, I'm good at it. So mm-hmm. that's how I got into it. <laughs> that's awesome. At least, it, you know, the relationship after all that. Oh, no, she didn't have to. Now, we own 26 properties, I mentioned to you. Yeah. She's never stepped foot in one of them. <laughs> she doesn't want to. Yeah. As a matter of fact, and honey, I hope you're not listening because I'm going to tell on you here. Uh, <laughs> don't worry, she's not. <laughs> She'll be the one person she's, that doesn't listen to the podcast either. She doesn't really dig real estate like I do. But, uh, but we sold our own personal home recently, and it was a home we had lived in for almost 25 years. It was our starter home. Mm-hmm. And she finally talked me into buying our McMansion. You know, I oh, guess yeah. ultimately I have to do it, right? right. <laughs> but I didn't want to sell it. I wanted to rent it. She yeah. says, well, you know, whoever rents it is just going to trash it and they're going to tear it up. I said, honey, how would you know? You're never going to step foot in it again. <laughs> <laughs> we sold it. Oh, so that wasn't the best response. <laughs> we sold it. <laughs> Got to make mama happy, right? Absolutely. It was worth it. Yeah. That's so cool. What, what would you say you do in a normal day of being, since you, you have systems in place now, do you just answer phone calls? Or sure. Do you, Probably a better question is what a property manager does on a, on a daily basis. Because I've really become more of the overseer of the property management companies. I own two different companies, one in Memphis and one in the Nashville market. Uh, PMI Professionals, it's Property Management Inc. PMI Professionals in, uh-huh. the, in Murfreesboro, we manage the Nashville market. And PMI of Memphis in the Memphis market. So I'm really overseeing property managers now. So my normal day is doing exactly what we're doing right here. Hey. I, I do a lot of networking. I see a lot of people. And what my office likes to call, they like me out looking for the uh, the big fish or the uh, the blue marlin. And so at my mm. office, like, you go up for the blue marlin, we'll take care of the, the crappie and the, and the guppies <laughs> and everything like that. And you go get us some blue marlin. Matter of fact, I just landed a 50-unit apartment complex. Oh, that's great. That's the kind of stuff that they want me out doing. When I say they, that's what I want me out doing. (laughs) But the day-to-day life of a property manager is a little more complicated, actually, and sometimes problematic and stressful. Uh, They're going to take phone calls from upset tenants. They're going to take phone calls from upset owners. On the very rare occasion, they're going to get somebody to say thank you. (laughs) It it, it happens. You know, when when we have to squeeze an applicant to get them in there, they just barely qualify. Sometimes those are really thankful people, and they take really good care of the property. But that's not real common. It's usually, matter of fact, my my son worked in my office with me for a summer before he went off to college. And as that summer was over, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, oh, maybe he can come to work with me one day. Father and son working together. Mm. No flipping way that was going to happen. He took after his mom. Oh, I says, Dad, all you do is deal with complaints all day. <laughs> and he's right. That's really what a property manager does. They, they handle complaints and they're problem solvers. Hmm. When the call comes in because the air conditioning is out and they've got to replace the heat and air system and the owner says, well, I don't have the money to replace the heat and air system. I mean, they get to be the punching bag. The, mm. the, the property manager, it's like a... a a boxing match. Yeah. They call referees. Are they referees in a boxing match? I'm not a boxing. Probably. Guy. Anyway, so, so I like, don't know what they're called, but there is somebody 
overseeing. Let's call it, them yeah. referees. Yeah. Referees. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like the referee of a boxing match, but the only person that gets hit is the property manager. We solve the problems. And so and you don't get to punch back. Oh, no. We don't get to punch back. Although I have. <laughs> and the older I get, the more I punch. Yes. And I sometimes shouldn't. Uh, one of my clients who probably is going to listen to this, and so I won't mention his name, but he'll know who I'm talking about. Oh, he was just being so unreasonable on a house. One of them that we, he had just rehabbed and had us rent somebody, rent to somebody mm-hmm. had a finished garage in it. Now, what are you going to do with a finished garage? Mm-hmm. Put a car in it. Oh, no, no, finished. <laughs> oh, garage. finished. Yeah. Well, yeah. live in it. Right. You're going to make it like a bonus room. You're going to put your television sets, computers, yeah. and you know, lights, lamps, and all this kind of stuff. Of course. Well, they didn't wire any plugs in there. Oh. And this owner is saying, "Well, they don't really need it. We don't need to do that." Well, I found that to be so incredibly unreasonable, and, and I know he's listening. He's, he's probably laughing right now. I dropped a few words I probably shouldn't have. I've had to apologize for that on a couple of occasions. And if you're listening, I apologize again. Yeah, you would think that that it would be wired. That would that would be a thought. <laughs> well, he, he finally came to see the light, and we took care of it. He actually is a great client of mine. Uh, matter of fact, that's who I was having lunch with before I came here. So. Oh, that's great. Did you tell him you were going to throw him out there? I, I, the I did not. I did tell him I was going to do this podcast, and he was curious about the podcast, so I told him about it. So I, he'll probably listen to it. But my stories do go long. I'm sorry. I've probably gotten us off topic. No, no it was great. great. We love stories great. like that. We love them. Because everybody has a crazy story in real estate. Yeah. Especially property managers. Property managers probably have the best stories. Um, for example, we require somebody to send us a a photograph of their license before they can apply and before they can see a unit. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is going to be good. A kid from Middle Tennessee State University, this is our youth, okay, mm-hmm. takes a photo of the bumper of his truck and sends it to us. License. His license for license. <laughs> Oh, my God. So we just did a millennial podcast. Yes. <laughs> Oh, no. My over. office is full of millennials. If you get good millennials working, you guys probably qualify as millennials. Uh, you get good millennials, that, that there is nothing better than an office full of good millennials. Nothing better, I tell you. And I hope they're listening to this, so you're not getting any raises. <laughs> Shout out is all you get. I really do have a good team, and I will give some shout-outs here. Uh, Misty Sexton works in the Nashville. She's the broker of the Murfreesboro office there. She's been with me for 13 years, and she knows more about property management than... Well, I would put her up against anybody else in in the Nashville area uh, at all, as as far as what she knows. Our leasing agent is Nathan Beach, uh, and he's doing fantastic. He came to work with me because he wanted to learn more about owning rental properties himself. He's already bought his first one. So proud of him. He's doing great. He's... 30, and, uh, and Misty's about 30 also. She came to work with me, she was uh, 18 years old. Sorry if I missed y'all's ages. I'm sure I'm close anyway. <laughs> happy birthday whenever those are. Uh, <laughs> and if you went below, they're probably happy. <laughs> in Memphis, Thomas runs the office down there. He's the broker there. Now, he's more my age, so um, I can't really call him a millennial, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but he's, man, he is a selling machine. I mean, he's really growing that office down there. And then wow. Heather is our office manager down there, and, and she's uh, new to us, but learning a lot and learning fast. So, yeah, I got a really great team that works for me. That's and that's not it. I, HOA manager, Frank. Frank runs our HOAs. And then, and then Megan is the one that actually, she's our uh, customer service person. And she just rocks it on, on making sure everybody gets taken care of. 
Oh, I forgot somebody. Sorry, Alyssa. (laughs) (laughs) Alyssa's the bookkeeper. She's she's new to us, and uh, she's been there about five months, I guess. But uh, man, she's rocking also. So, and then again, another millennial. I got a great group of millennials that work for me. Um, I know we called you about a property in the Memphis area. That's right. Uh huh. And um, we just didn't know a lot about that market, and it's hard when you're going to a different market that you're unfamiliar with. So it's good to have those connections. So. Do you have to normally give advice like that? And do you enjoy giving advice? Oh, I don't mind giving advice at all. <laughs> it's really more a matter of having the time to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I teach classes for the Realtors Association mm-hmm. on property management and real estate investing and Landlord Tenant Act, which I guess would be property management also. I do some fair housing training as, all, as well for the uh, association. And I get a lot of my students that will contact me mm-hmm. and, uh, and ask. Matter of fact, just yesterday I had a call. I'm not going to call what her name is. <laughs> And she says, Scott, I really appreciate you taking my call because, you know, my broker is just too busy. And I'm like, and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no. You don't look half as busy as the broker looked, apparently. <laughs> In all seriousness, this is time permitting. I get a lot of people that ask me to pick their brain, to want to pick my brain. And, yeah. and I frequently don't have time. And I usually will tell them, join me at lunch on Mondays. I'm there nearly every Monday. Yeah. Uh, I'd be happy to talk to you then yeah. whenever I, I have things like that. So, yes, no, I don't mind at all. And if we want to talk markets, that Memphis market is a very different market than the Nashville market, as you and I talked about before. Uh, It's very much more a, I don't know how educated your listeners are, but it's much more a cash flow where you can get a better cash on cash return market than, but it's a higher risk, much higher risk than the Nashville market. The Nashville market is more of an equity play. But to get cash on cash at all, you got to put a lot more resources into it. So they're very different markets. Yeah, thank you for your advice because I was totally beaten up the wholesale on it and I felt bad about it. Uh-huh. But your advice helped. And then we went up and saw the property. We just I had already planned to go to Memphis and we saw the property and we were so glad we did not move forward with that property. <laughs> so most of our investors in Memphis, and we have about uh, 300 units in Memphis. Uh, matter of fact, I was talking to Thomas just the other day because we'd like in the Murfreesboro office, we do customer or client appreciation events. We'll, uh, you know, rent out a bar and have a band and all this kind of stuff. And I was suggesting that we do this in Memphis. And and Thomas was like, we have like 15 local clients. (laughs) All the rest of them are from somewhere else. That makes sense. Well, it's because we're looking at the numbers. Mm -hmm. Quite honestly, most of our clients in Memphis have no idea what they've bought. (laughs) <laughs> and they don't really want to know what they, they bought. Don't they really don't. They stay far away. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great cash on cash market, but it is higher risk. Yeah. I, I feel like that's that's um, education of your 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 owners is super important in that in your market there, especially if they're out of town. And translating some of the, you talked about your account, your bookkeeper earlier. Yes. And being able to say, hey, there's a reason for why this is paid for. Uh, and, and or, you know, you may need to think about looking at this in the future cost-wise to put back into the property. What is that like? And do you have to set the tone quickly with it, with an owner? Or, yeah. Yes, you hit the nail on the head. Setting expectations mm-hmm. is so important. And... Because we're so busy, I mean, I imagine everybody's busy, every business is busy, but we have 700 units that we're dealing with, 700 tenants that are needing something, and, you know, probably about 400 owners that are needing something. So we're busy. All of our, our lives are really busy. So onboarding is something we've let slide. 
That's mm-hmm. what we. That's what you call it when you're bringing on a new client. Oh. We're not letting that slide anymore, and that's because of the set and expectations issue. We've now got a PowerPoint presentation that we walk our new clients through to show what we what they should expect of us and what we expect of them. And one of those is just what you're talking about. You're going to have maintenance. I don't care how perfect or how brand new your house is. Real estate comes with maintenance. Mm. And maintenance ain't cheap anymore. Am I allowed to say ain't? Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Uh-huh. You can say what you want. <laughs> <laughs> but maintenance ain't cheap anymore. You've, you've got to be ready for it. No doubt about that. And that's probably the big things people don't, are not ready for. That and turnover. Uh, people are not mm-hmm. ready for them. So we go through evictions, which we don't have a lot of evictions. We screen our residents. One of the reasons you hire property managers is, is, is the screening. But you need to prepare them for that kind of stuff also. So the onboarding is vitally important, and we're working hard to make sure we're better at that than we have been in the past. That's mm-hmm. been one of the things I identified this year as our one of our weak spots. So we're strengthening that up. Next year, I'll find another weak spot. I don't know what it is yet. <laughs> hey, Probably my headshot. <laughs> I don't know. I hear it's working out good on social media for well, you. I guess so. <laughs> I think they're missing the photograph. Yeah. I have a mask over my face. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. I'll have to go check that photograph out. I got the face for podcasting. <laughs> Real estate investors looking for a quick close and no appraisals? Reach out to Mike Brady at PropertyRecycle.com. They are a large private equity firm with that personal touch. Property Recycle offers an easy online application no appraisal requirements, and can close within five days. Ditch your slow, expensive lender and get the money you need today. Call Mike Brady at 615-806-7500. Again, that is 615-806-7500. Or visit PropertyRecycle.com. Visit our friend Bradley T. Bald, licensed attorney at the Road Title and Escrow LLC, where he counsels and facilitates clients in various commercial and residential transactions. In addition to his real estate practice, Bradley is an attorney for Keller, Turner, Ruth, Andrews, and Gannon PLLC in the firm's sports, entertainment, and corporate practice. Bradley is also a Rule 31 mediator in the state of Tennessee. Again, that's Bradley T. Bald at the Road Title and Escrow. Give him a call. <laughs> I know something, and I, I, I don't know if we've gone over this or not before we start it, but um, I know something we struggle with, and our properties are not local or we would be using Scott, so let me throw that out yes. there. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. So something we struggle with with property managers is under them understanding they can't eat up all the money that comes in. Um, like it, there needs to be better communication maybe, uh, do you want to jump in and, mm-hmm. and kind of add on to that on what maybe we look for? Right. Uh, the tone mm-hmm. wasn't set initially. My idea or our ideas of uh, where the percentages should lie, you know, say 40% expenses, yeah. 60% profit. That sounds great to me. We didn't have that conversation when we got started. So they were looking, they were hammering everything that they saw that was a problem and at a clip that was a lot more than I wanted to be paying for all the things. And so uh, then it was like this bill that I go, wait wait a second, what in the world? And then capital expenditures were, were built in for some things, you know. Well, and I think there was a lack of communication internally with the company where somebody's charging, somebody's paying, but nobody's communicating on where it all ends up. So how do you conquer issues like that sure. with your structure? Well, for starters, 
I am on the board of directors of the National Association of Residential Property Managers. So we get these kind of complaints frequently. Mm -hmm. And the number one complaint that we get is communications, lack mm -hmm. of communications. And that's mm -hmm. true in the real estate world also. Oh, yeah. You hear that in the real estate world also. Attorneys, when was the last time you got communication from an attorney? <laughs> they didn't cost extra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. You're lucky if you can get the communication, even when you're paying for it. You know? uh, no, communications is a hard thing to deal with across the board. So for starters, whoever's looking for a property manager out there, I'd start with NARPM. That's the National Association of Residential Property Managers. I believe who I've, I hooked you up with in Dayton. Is that That's right? right? Yeah, right. That's um, right. And I hope they've worked out well. And then nothing's perfect. We're about uh, 7,000 members, not quite 7,000 members across the country with a goal of 10,000 coming in the future. So wow. looking at a lot of growth. And there's like 200,000 property managers out there. So wow. uh, there's a bunch of us. Yes. There are good ones and there are bad ones. And there were a lot of realtors that think they know property management and actually kind of doing it behind their broker's back because mm -hmm. their broker won't allow it. Right. <laughs> uh, but they, you know, you get what you pay for in many cases. Now, to answer your question, what we do is we have a software. Again, we come back to the systems. It's the systems that the property management company has in place. Mm -hmm. And our systems include a software program called Propertyware. And Propertyware keeps the client informed automatically of all kinds of things. Almost uh, anything that happens on the property as an automatic no notification to the uh, uh, owner. Uh, like, for example, maintenance requests. You were just talking about that. Yes. If a maintenance request comes in, well, typically the tenant is submitting the maintenance request through, their, through our website, through their portal on their website. Mm -hmm. they, and it goes into our system and immediately gets sent out to the owner. Hey, we've got this maintenance request that's come in. So you know something is going to happen. Get another notification when the maintenance request is closed out. You get another notification when rent is collected, uh, when your funds have gone out, when your statement is published. Uh, you know, uh, ongoing communications are done within our system as well, and you get notifications. And these are all email notifications. Wow. The owner also has a password-protected portal into our website so they can see real live time what's going on on their property, what's been collected, what hasn't been collected, see the recent, most recent statements, all these kind of things. So that's how we maintain communications. I will readily admit to you, it's still not enough. Sounds fantastic, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm over here tearing up. <laughs> oh, this is beautiful. I was oh like, can you open another branch? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> it's still not enough. You know where it fails? Where's that? It does not have the ability to notify somebody when something doesn't happen. And that's where it fails because that's what people want to know. Has my tenant paid rent? Well, you're going to know if you go back through your emails and say, oh, yeah, look, they paid rent on the third. But if they have not, you're not getting an email for something that did not happen. Whoa. So it's not perfect. Yeah. Secondarily, there's a lot of things that happen in their emergencies. And these are after hours things that whoever's on call and I don't know, say it's the maintenance supervisor that's on call that week and they're taking the call and they've got to go take care of this water here on Saturday night. Well, they're not tech savvy. I'm sorry, guys. That's not what I got a maintenance coordinator for. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're, they're out there taking care of the maintenance that needs to be done, and they're turning their paperwork on Monday morning, and frequently it's not a small bill. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So it's not perfect. It's not foolproof, but it's as good as it gets. Yeah, what have you seen? Because people that are just... We have all different levels that listen to our podcast. Yeah. So people that want to get into property manager yeah. management, or excuse me, want to own properties, yes. a lot of them are like, well, I can just do this by myself in the beginning, yep. so I don't have to spend that money. But what have you seen that 
just made it all go wrong and the reason you should go ahead and get a property manager so they know. So, and this is going to sound a little counterintuitive, but that's kind of a double-edged sword. I kind of like a client that owns one or two or three properties that has been managing it themselves Mm -hmm. before they hire me because they realize what value a property manager is at that point. They understand the headaches that are going on because I kind of like that. With that being said, it is so risky for somebody to manage their own property unless they're really savvy about keeping up with the latest rules and laws that are going on. Probably the biggest trap that a self-owned property ma- uh, landlord, self-managed landlord has is fair housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Federal Fair Housing Act, along with the Tennessee uh, Fair Housing Laws as well, uh, they're so tricky and so easy to fall under. Nobody, I say nobody, I shouldn't say that. The reason we have fair housing in the first place is because discrimination exists. Mm-hmm. But many people don't mean to discriminate, but do so anyway. And they have no idea they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And the maximum penalty is $250,000 for violating fair housing. That's a, a big, giant chunk to fall into. Secondarily, it'd be zoning. Uh, zoning or codes, I'm sorry, building codes. Mm-hmm. You wind up with a building codes issue that can be a, and that's a trap for property managers too, but especially for uh, uh, self-managed landlords. Self-managed landlords can wind up with opening open themselves up to liability issues also that they wouldn't otherwise have. A good property manager is going to make sure that you've got safe housing, that the smoke detector batteries have been changed and you've got some sort of certification that has been done that the carbon monoxide detectors work and things like things that we just forget about. Mm-hmm. But these are part of the system with a property manager. So to answer your question, it's good and bad. Mm-hmm. I like it when somebody self-manages and learns the lessons that I've, I've spent you know, 30 years learning. <laughs> uh, on the other hand, they can wind up with a lot of, tra- and a lot of traps. They're in a lot of risk if they do it themselves. Yeah, because there are people out there that call for the state to make sure they are following these guidelines. Those correct? are called testers, and the Housing and Urban Development has gotten a grant from somebody um, for of a giant number to hire. What was it like a hundred thousand testers? I might be exaggerating that number a bit, but it's a lot of testers across the country. Same with lead-based paint. Uh, the EPA just got a lot of money to do testing for lead-based paint. Which this is testing for um, landlords that have not properly done the disclosures, the EPA disclosures, not testing houses for lead-based paint, but not the the, disclo- the paperwork. It's testing for the paperwork. So. Last I heard, they were going through Boise. Uh, they go from town to town. So they'll be here one day. Yeah. Interesting. And Nashville has a ton of lead-based paint houses. Right. Tons of them. But you never see it come through on the paperwork that the lead-based paint. So many landlords, <laughs> so many landlords just they well they either don't know that they have to do this lead-based paint disclosure, mm-hmm. which is a huge fine also if you don't do that, mm-hmm. or they ignore it, mm-hmm. thinking nobody's going to look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much you know about uh, what Facebook is facing right now. I do know about Facebook's face, and and HUD is really on top of Facebook. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, tell us about it. I just started rubbing my chin. How sure. exciting. Okay. <laughs> yes, I would like to know more about the hot water that Facebook is in about advertising houses. It's not just Facebook. It's also Zillow uh, and all these other you know advertisement sites that have an algorithm in it, in, embedded in it. And realtors are going to wind up being in this. Realtor.com would be one of them as well. And realtors, by the way, for those who are listening, Realtor.com does not belong to the realtors. It's a separate business. Uh, but realtors themselves are the ones that advertise on it. And they advertise on Zillow. They advertise on Facebook and all these other places. So we, as realtors, are ultimately responsible for our advertisements and where they go. And then housing and urban development governs us. 
as, as housing providers. So I'm really concerned this is going to have a backlash on the real estate industry at large. But what you're talking about is the algorithm. The algorithm that goes into how people find housing on Facebook or Zillow or Realtor.com or whatever the case may be. And the algorithm itself can be very discriminatory. It doesn't necessarily mean to be. It's trying to accommodate the consumer, but it can be discriminatory. Like, for instance, somebody, uh, the HUD, this is the, the example HUD gave us when I was in Washington, D.C. about a month ago. Hmm. Um, Two-bedroom home for good Christian family. What? So we just violated. <laughs> yeah, we're, I'm all tingly over yeah, here right. like, oh, God. <laughs> By just saying that, as I know it makes us cringe being in the yeah. real estate industry because we know we just violated two protected classes, mm-hmm. the religious protected class and the familial status protected class. I mean, it could be anything. It could be a um, neighborhood with no, I don't know, X in it. Just put whatever what's, what X is. Mm. Now, these algorithms are trying to help the consumer find what they want, but HUD isn't happy with how discriminatory those actions are. The consumer is welcome to discriminate. They're allowed to discriminate all they want to. But we as real estate professionals, and that does include people without a real estate license if you're a real estate professional, if you own rental properties and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We as real estate professionals and advertisers are not allowed to discriminate like that. So that's what that is. That's a long road. That's mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're, they're headed down, HUD is headed down a long road with that. But yeah, they're, they're really trying to see what they can do on that. Be watching for some more HUD guidance on that coming up soon, by the way, okay. I, I suspect. That is very interesting. So I know I don't do Realtor.com or Zillow okay. like directly. It pulls from the MLS. Right. Mm-hmm. So does it? do you know anything about if it's pulling from the MLS and translate, like how it would affect the agent? It's the same thing. So, so. before I frighten you to death and all you, <laughs> yeah. all you right. realtors out there that are listening, I'm sure you've got some realtors listening also. A bottle of wine. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> HUD was kind of hush-hush on how it was going to affect the real estate industry at large. Their target, you mentioned, and they didn't say Facebook. Okay. They didn't use that name. But Social it was obvious media, two that billion the target followers. Okay, yeah, that one. <laughs> it was obvious that that was their target. It was Facebook. And then, of course, Zillow and all these others. My concern and the leaders of NARPM, whenever we walked out, was that the responsibility for those ads is who? Those that place them. And if you're a real estate professional, well, HUD is who governs us. Mm -hmm. So they didn't directly say they're pointing the the arrow at us, Mm -hmm. but we may be responsible for fixing the problem somehow. That makes sense. Okay, so it's something just to keep watching. And yeah, keep see. watching. It's a long road. This is, this is the very beginning of a long road. We just headed down that yellow brick. We haven't gotten to 10 man yet. <laughs> <laughs> McDonald Insurance and Financial Services is the premier insurance and financial services agency, locally owned and operated, having locations in Tennessee, Mississippi, and Arkansas. Their company works with only the most reputable insurance companies to give you the best coverage for your needs. Call 901 901- Again, that's 901-451-3811 for McDonald's Insurance and Financial Services. In the South, their roots run deep, giving First Bank the strength to keep branching out, reaching high. First Bank's history of success is grounded in their fresh approach to banking that is more local, more accessible, and more empowering. Which is why switching to First Bank feels like a breath of fresh air. Locally underwritten, contact Tyler Allen, your local commercial lender today at 615-390-3592. NMLS number 979885.
Networth Realty of Nashville is growing wealth in Tennessee by providing people across the Nashville metropolitan area with the tools and expertise they need to succeed in the residential real estate market. Their specialists understand the ins and outs of Nashville and are experts at locating undervalued properties in the city's most desirable neighborhoods. That's Networth Realty of Nashville, 615-823-2777. So we know we all have our real estate stories, and we hear you have some good ones from property management. I'd say property managers probably have the best stories. <laughs> oh, I would agree. <laughs> Which I know what your listeners are thinking is going to be some eviction we had to do where we had to, you know, chuck somebody's hummels out in the street or something like that. You know? <laughs> uh, don't worry. There are plenty of those, too. Uh, or it's some tenant that, uh, you know, came to us all cracked out. Yeah, yeah. we got those also. No doubt about it. But this story's not about a tenant, it's about an owner. And it's one of my early owners, uh, early on. He uh, He's about as redneck as it can get. Now, I mean, no offense to rednecks. I got a whole bunch of redneck in me. My family tree has no limbs either. I got it. Okay. <laughs> but this guy, I mean, he's probably the most redneck client I got. Um, we'll call him Joe. Okay, that's yeah. not really his name. We're calling Joe. <laughs> oh, Joe, he calls me up like this. God, I need some help. And I was early in my business. Okay? I was still with Cole Banker at the time. Cool. And I said, sure, Joe, I can take care of the property for you. No problem. You had a little crappy house down in Christiana, Tennessee. I had another one in Leanna, and I managed both of them. By the way, those are both rural areas in, in Middle Tennessee, who, for those of you who are not from the area. <laughs> the one down in Christiana um, had a drug rate on it. Oh. The sheriffs came in, deputies came in, and, and they chucked a smoke grenade into the window, breaking the window, burning the carpet. They kicked in all the doors and arrested everybody in the house. Now, just for the record, financially, who's responsible for that damage? It's not the sheriff's department. It's going to end up being the owner. It well, should be the tenant. It is the tenant's responsibility. <laughs> it absolutely is the tenant's responsibility, but who's going to pay for it? The yeah, owner, because yeah, the tenant's sitting in jail with no you're money. Not getting, you're not bail. getting blood out of a turnip. That's exactly right. Uh, so my old redneck Joe, he is just fit to be tied. He is just mad, and he's got to go take care of this house. And, and he goes out, and he does his own work. He doesn't have us take care of it for him. So he's out there getting the house cleaned up, replacing the carpet, putting in new front and back doors, replacing the window, all this kind of stuff. He gets the place all clean and neat, and we're probably 30 days later now that he's gotten all this done. He's getting the place ready for us to re-rent it for him. And he pays his cleaning crew. His cleaning crew meets his cleaning crew right at dusk one evening. Pays his cleaning crew in cash out on the back deck, and his cleaning crew drives off out of the neighborhood. Well, he has to go to the bathroom. Well, his cleaning crew just left you know, from cleaning. I said, he's not going to use the bathroom in there. Heck, you're in you know, rural Tennessee. <laughs> Who's around? So he uh, unzips his pants and starts to relieve himself in the bushes. At that time, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigations comes out of every bush and comes around every corner, drawing down on him. You are kidding. <laughs> no, this is, I'm not making up one word. I couldn't pick this up. They make him get down on the ground with his junk in his hands. <laughs> Does not let him put it away. Okay, He has to get down on the ground, hands out, and while they're frisking him and everything, because what they saw was a cash deal train change hands on that back deck. And they're still on guard they're from what exactly, They didn't oh know the sheriff's department had raided it a month earlier, so they thought they were on to the deal and just saw the deal. <laughs> <laughs> Bad they, communication oh issues. My gosh. <laughs> well, they realized what had happened, and they let 
Joe go. I almost called his name. <laughs> <laughs> they let old Joe go, and Joe calls me up, madder than a wet hen. <laughs> oh my gosh, he was furious. Scott, you wouldn't believe what happened. Then he told me the whole story, and I just go. <laughs> he says, Scott Abernathy, this is not funny. I said, Joe, give it a minute. This is hysterical. I feel fat laughing. Can he laugh about it now? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Fast forward. Now, he fired me after this. <laughs> I guess. He fired me after this. Fast forward 15 years. Oh, Joe called me back just about a month ago. Just out of the blue, and I took the phone call, which is not usual. I don't usually. I recognized his voice just like that. And the son of a gun hired me again. I'm his, he's not, I'm his property manager again now. I do not plan to bring that up. <laughs> so that's how you got rehired. I'm, just you not left gonna it. I'm hoping he's blacked it out of his memory. He did tell me on the phone that day, well, Scott, I hope things have changed with you because last time we didn't leave on such good terms. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, don't worry. A lot of things have changed. I've seen better. I've seen better stories in the 15 years. That's probably my very best property management story. Oh, God. God. I think that was the best one we've had on our podcast. Good. I aim to please. I didn't see where that was going. Oh, no. Well, this is the best wine I've had on a podcast. Oh, great. You've been on a lot of podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> A couple, actually. Okay, I, I, this good, is, you good. ask me what I do every day. This is the kind of stuff I, I like to do. Yeah. Good. Okay. So you did have some to compare to. Good. There probably wasn't wine on the last one. <laughs> oh, no. Most of them are teetotalers. <laughs> <laughs> In the, uh, uh, I guess, half year or so that we've known you, we've noticed that you were so good at uh, knowing the industry and what's going on for the whole country, basically. And you've been to D.C. And, and the whole bit. What do you see is coming in property management? Sure. So in property management, I see a big consolidation. It's already on its way. Which is one of the reasons that I went ahead and franchised with Property Management, Inc. Property Management, Inc. is a company based out of Utah. And I own the two franchises, one here and one in Memphis. There are some other franchises in the Middle Tennessee area also that are PMI. So they're, they're not all me. Um, you're seeing a lot of small property management companies get gobbled up by big players. You're seeing more and more of that. Locally, you see it with um, American Homes, not American Homes, excuse me, uh, uh, Renter's Warehouse. Yeah. You also see it with uh, GK Homes, which is not, they're not a big splash here yet, but they've bought a property management company. They're going to be. Yeah. So uh, you're seeing more and more of that kind of stuff uh, as, as things grow. With the real estate investment industry at large, and we kind of talked about this at lunch a little bit yesterday, mm -hmm. I'm really, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I'm afraid from a national perspective, we're seeing a new normal. This is what real estate is now. Um, you guys are lucky enough not to remember the good old days of the 1% rule. Are you familiar with the 1% rule? Yes. Okay. Uh, for those of who are not familiar with the 1% rule, you didn't even look at a piece of property unless it brought in at least 1% of the a month of the amount you're going to pay. So if you're going to pay $100,000 for it, it has to bring in at least $1,000 a month. When was the last time you saw a 1% rule? Yeah. Pre-recession. Yeah, really, it's been pre-recession. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is the macroeconomics that have changed since the recession. Wall Street has learned our business. Wall Street is here to stay. American Homes for Rent has, they own, uh, was it 1,400 properties in the Middle Tennessee area? It's a bunch. Progress uh, Residential owns about that many as well. Main Street Renewal. There's a lot of these hedge funds and private equity funds that have figured out this is a good game to be in. 
while their other investments are doing, you know, one and two percent, they can get a four percent cap rate and be happy with it. You know, mm-hmm. well, us real estate investors, that's not, not what we're looking for, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I'm afraid we're in a new normal, especially in that type of property. You know, American Homes to Rent now is doing a uh, whole neighborhood, a, a BTR, a B2R, a build to rent entire subdivision. Uh, wow. And uh, is it Gallatin? I think it's where they're doing it because yeah. uh, they run out of properties to buy. So, as long as Wall Street's in our back. Also, the world has become so much smaller. Many of my clients are from out of the state, out of the country, even. Mm. Uh, so you know, it's not it's no big deal to own property in in a fast and growing area. Mm-hmm. What's going to get a lot of appreciation whenever you're in Timbuktu or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Timbuktu still around? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Is it in Egypt? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's BFE. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, when I used to work in in leasing uh, yeah. for rental mm-hmm. properties, the there that was the competition was American Homes for Rent. Okay, and how the the concept being that there was a box on the door, and you know a prospective tenant goes online and they pay a dollar and they put it on their credit card, and then whenever they want to look at a house, they just swipe the card in the door, and then they go and look in, and then they go, oh, I think I like this house, and there's no one there to show them the house. It just opens. Our process is very similar. And it's as scary as it sounds to a landlord that people are going into the properties unescorted. Your property management company needs to have an unescorted sh- showing system in place. Mm-hmm. It's where, that's how properties are being shown now. And if mm-hmm. a tenant, a prospective tenant shows up to your property and they got to wait until tomorrow or next week or whatever to see your property, they've already rented one from American Homes for Rent instead mm-hmm. before they get to yours. So you got it. Now, you got to be cautious with that. There are areas you don't want to do self unescorted showings in. Yeah, I just uh, keep thinking the, the utilities, no, the, utilities, the appliances, appliances are going to grow yeah. legs. Mm-hmm. That, you know what? We've been doing un- unescorted showings now for about two years, mm-hmm. and we've had zero problems with that. I was going to knock on the table as if it was wood, <laughs> but you told me not to do that. So, uh, no, seriously, knock on wood. Yeah. Uh, we have had yet, we've yet to see anything like that. Now, we have not implemented this in Memphis. <laughs> you, you laugh, but I've made a you know judgment call on the the market is very different there, and I'm afraid to think because in Memphis we literally have to remove heat and air systems and, at turnover, mm-hmm. or they get legs and walk away. The heat and air system sitting outside get legs and walk away. Frequently we will board up houses just because they're being turned over and unboard them. When it, it's, a, it's a whole different market in, in Memphis, so I chose not to do that. And with that being said. God, it's even growing popularity there. We may have to eventually there also. Mm-hmm. It's a market thing. Mm-hmm. And if your property manager is not keeping up with the market, you need a new property manager. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe though, by the time we have to implement it there, it's either growing so much popularity, it's not going to be as much of an issue of things running off, or the it will change, the area will change enough where you it's less of a worry. Or I think it's can. cute how you really think that. <laughs> I'm trying, trying to be positive about Memphis. It looks like you might have to have one person to go out after each showing then in Memphis. Well, and make sure the stuff's still there. <laughs> I told you my bookkeeper's relatively new, right? Yeah. And I told her that just the other day. She said, she, a tenant called in and said their identity was stolen. And I told her the same thing. I said, I think that's just so cute how you believe them. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how many of my tenants have had their identity stolen? Yeah. Anyway. They stopped paying rent. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. you got to pay your rent. That's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, Scott, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. It's been fun. (laughs) Cheers.
This has been a production of Corkscrews and Contracts. Podcast copyright 2019.